Welcome to episode 23 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. In this episode, I'm talking with Donna Laughlin, president and founder of LMGPR, a high-impact strategic public relations firm for innovative emerging markets. Check out the episode here, Donna's take on the power of networks, why agility is so important when it comes to communication, and how body language impacts your communication style. I hope you enjoy. Donna, great to catch up again. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join me today. Oh, I'm so excited to chat with you again. Absolutely. Really looking forward to our conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed the last time we had the chance to connect and chat a little bit. And I think you know, with the work that you're doing, you'll bring a very unique perspective to communication skills. So maybe to help frame the conversation a little bit, provide some context to what we'll be talking about today, if you can, to get things started, maybe just tell everyone out there a little bit about yourself, your journey, and really what it is that you're working on today. Yeah, well, thank you for that big question. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been a communicator and, and involved in communications, you know, pretty early uh, on in my in my life. My father owned a publishing newspaper business, and so I was out and about with my uncles and my father uh, doing uh, as a reporter uh, by age eight, which is kind of an unusual journey. Uh, that continued my and piqued my curiosity to go off and study journalism in college, and then ultimately become an international re- news reporter in business and economics. Um, I've been to more than 80 countries. Um, I've covered everything from um, airplane incidents to um, elephants escaping from the zoo uh, to um, you know, vir- viruses and, and things that actually impact it, pretty much anything with the economy, whether it be um, economic, I would say anything economic or, or supply chain, a lot of things that we deal with today it's cyclical, right? And mm-hmm. so as a, as a journalist, I learned my instincts were highly tuned. We talk about communication skills. I'm going to talk about a little bit about communications refinement, because I think we all need to be a little more aligned in what's happening in the world. And then that led to my career um, as a, a public relations um, professional storyteller, and then ultimately owning my own agency the last 20 years. And I also am the host of a podcast that really focuses on visionaries in the future they imagine. Excellent. That is quite a journey, especially while wow, starting age eight as a reporter. I just said, so, you know, the, the visuals of a little kid with like the notepad and pen going around trying to get the scoop on things. And the Doogie you know, like, Hauser reporting. <laughs> there you go. The Doogie Hauser of reporting. Love it. We're going to date ourselves a little bit there with that reference, but. So if I think of that journey of starting off in, in the news industry, reporting, going into you know, PR, all these types of things, running your own agency, so many aspects of that revolve around effective communication, especially to be successful at it, to have longevity with it, to make a career out of it. So from, from your experience or really your, your viewpoint, what does it mean to be a great communicator. When you hear that phrase, what comes to mind? Well, the first thing is just being a great listener, because if we don't listen, we can't have two-way engagement and communicate. And I think that is true in verbal communications. I think it's true in uh, digital communication. So those that are living in the virtual world, or now we're going to call it the metaverse, a, a text can be miscommunicated 
verbal communications and face-to-face communications are likely not to be as misinterpreted, right? And so I think we need to listen. And when I say listening, the audio part, but also listening to uh, character text and whether it's, you know, an email and really tuning in to before one responds. Uh, and and if, if you watch any of the, you know, the primetime news shows and particularly the politicians are really good at this. They often will repeat the question before they answer the question. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're thinking about the best way to answer that question and buying just a little bit of time and ensuring it's being matched to probably a very schooled and, and trained, you know, media um, uh, prep for those types of interviews. But I think often in world world it, situations when you're in an office environment or if you're in a business at a business conference when people ask you very specific questions sometimes we can sound very scripted or if you think about when somebody uh, on on a daily basis to say well how are you doing today oftentimes people will just respond by saying oh i'm doing great even if they're not doing great Mm -hmm. and so i think tuning in is is a really critical part there's so much important stuff. And I just want to hit on a couple of those things. There's this idea of listening. It comes up so much just in the day-to-day work that I do and all of these conversations, it continues to come up. And you, when people say listening, they, they mean different things, whether you're actively listening or really listening rather than waiting to talk. And I read an article the other day that really hit on that there's you know all different types of listeners. You know, Are you listening to try and solve a problem? Are you really listening so you can show empathy? Whatever it may be, but not just hearing the words and trying to respond. And that's, I will say, I could be guilty of that. I'm a problem solver. When I hear something, I want to just jump in and solution it. But you know, so say if someone on your team is just like, gosh, I really, I really need a vacation. I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Take a few days, do what you need to do, right? Underneath that, there could be a whole lot of stuff going on, right? Work is driving them crazy. They're overworked, they're stressed out. They're on the verge of quitting or maybe things are going crazy at home. Whatever it is, by not really slowing down, trying to listen to what may be behind the words that they're saying is, is dangerous if you don't do that, because you can miss out on a lot of important things, whether it's internally with an employee or externally in a client-facing type of situation. So really, that listening is a skill that takes lots of practice to not just jump in and try and immediately respond or solution to it. Yeah, well, and that definitely has you know, been a, a theme and in, in ongoing when, you know, when when people decide to leave a company or in this last couple of years, the great resignation has, you know, been primarily driven by people realizing like I could be doing so much more, but as an employer, you know, uh, you know, my joke is I can hire and fire myself anytime I want because I am my boss and I do have a team, but I also have to be in tune to myself. Definitely as a leader being in tune to yourself and then really also modeling the behaviors that you want to see in your organization, if they align to your mission, vision, culture, whatever it is, just really make sure that you are out there in tune, modeling the behaviors. And the other thing that you, that you touched on that I think is just crucial is the repeat rephrase when it comes to listening and communications. You mentioned it gives you time to think. Oftentimes we do see politicians do this, or you're seeing it if there's a Q&A session at the end of a presentation, definitely gives you time to gather your thoughts, get the best message out there. The other, other benefit to that is, is oftentimes if it's a hostile or challenging question, 
it can allow you to neutralize it a little bit. So what we work with people on is not necessarily avoiding the question or trying to make a, a hostile question rosy and positive, but how do you neutralize it? You know, Scott, what are you going to do to turn around this sinking ship? That's a, could be a hostile question. And if I would repeat or rephrase, rephrase that, I would say, well, what are we doing to make things better? Or what new strategies are we implementing? So we tried to neutralize it a little bit to take that edge off and, and get it back to the audience. So great points there. Yeah, you know, I'm a pilot for fun, uh, not, not commercial uh, by any means, but sport pilot, we'll just call it that. And one of the things I have to be continuously tuned with is my situational awareness. And I think that also applies to how we communicate and work as well. Situational awareness is something that to, whether you're you're flying an airplane, it's very important because you don't have you have air traffic control and the weather can be your two best friends. Um, they could also be your your biggest challenges. So you have to really be in tune to what's happening around you. If you're riding a motorcycle, you need to be situationally aware. If you're driving a, a car or the car's driving you, uh, you need to be situationally aware. And I think that. It plays also in the workforce or the workplace as well. And I think there's a reason why human resources now called people and culture, not human resources. Definitely. With the situational awareness plays into part, I, I think a lot with not only just in-person communications, but if you tie it back even to something you touched on with the written communications, being aware of big picture, who are you communicating with? What's their style? How are you feeling at that particular point? Are you stressed? Are you frustrated? Are you excited? When you're not in tune to those things, you're more apt to either make a mistake, a silly mistake that can make you look bad or send something perhaps that you might regret a little bit later. I saw Apple just release a new feature where you, I think you can recall text messages that were sent or delete text messages that were sent. I think they're realizing people are just, moving too quickly when it comes to written communications. Well, we've all sent those messages, emails in the early days, just an email and go, oh, can I, can I re, re, you know, retract it? Very hard to do. Right. It never um, seems to work. Yeah. And I think of the digital world that we are in and the younger generation that has 100% been, you know, weaned on it mm -hmm. um, as humans, we often respond we don't, we're not responsible, right? And so we respond very quickly. We react very quickly. And slowing down, I think, is a really key component of effective communications is stopping, slowing, pausing, thinking, <laughs> and as we said early, listening. Thinking, what a novel idea. That'd be great if that would, that would come back <laughs> into favor. You, you just hit on something. It's kind of a good segue into the really the next thing I want to chat about is you in in the workplace you have digital natives, kids that have grown up with with technology, cell phones, in essence, their entire lives. I guess at this point, I'm trying to think back. Yeah, like their entire lives, they've grown up with access to everything, constant communication. So if we think of the workplace today, what are you seeing? are some of the most important communication skills that people need to be need to have to be successful in the workplace. Well, I think verbal communications is really important to be able to articulate um, thoughts, ideas, creativity, and also to be in adverse situations to say, be able to I was debate and, 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 and discuss you know, tough subjects, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, with ease and not, and, and not, you know, bringing, 
other emotions and, and, and things into a conversation and which I've seen very few, I'm, I'm, I will say in my, in my business career, um, people for the most part are very, are very professional, I think integrity and having, you know, ethics and conversation and tough conversations is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that oftentimes when I go into meetings, there's a mandate of turning your phones off, not being distracted being in, being genuinely intentionally engaged with the people that are in the room. And I think that's really important. It's kind of like going back to basics in a lot of ways. It's like our business manners and our business acumen go together. And mm-hmm. so if we take our manners and our, and our ethics and our integrity out of our back pocket and we put them in the front pocket, wow, people respond and they communicate much more effectively. And I think that's been the biggest challenge in the digital era is in our, our End user expectations have become uh, increasingly more, um, you know, uh, spontaneous and much more just, uh, I don't know how to use the word, entitled, uh, mm-hmm. entitled in the sense that we expect something. And mm-hmm. I think that we, what we need to be looking for is more, is, is accepting sometimes and coming, if we're in a debate, it could be a sales meeting, right? Or it could be I'm talking on the phone with an with an editor and and um, maybe they don't think the metaverse or electric vehicles are really the way to go or blockchain is needed or any of these emerging markets that I might be working in. And so sometimes I get into deeper conversations about the pros and cons of things. And I think it's really important when you're uh, you know everything is going to be a um, let's say one and done conversation where you go into a hyper pitch and, and you're, you're sharing your idea is not necessarily going to be accepted. And so I mm-hmm. think that acceptance and that mutual understanding of you have a different perspective and a different grounding, you know, for than I do, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, places people come from different regions of the country, different regions of the world. You were just in Ireland. People culturally are going to look at things in a very different lens in Ireland than they are going to in the United States mm-hmm. and regionally in parts of the United States. So I think it's really assessing the entire landscape. No, that's an interesting point. And I think a big part of that really is this idea of can you be present for the communications? I think for me, that's the, the first step in being able to have an open, constructive dialogue, especially around a tough subject. And not necessarily, not necessarily necessarily have to be a tough subject. It could simply be a subject, as you mentioned, the metaverse, Web 3.0. There's, there's proponents of it. There's skeptics of it. And I think to have a healthy dialogue about that, you need to be present in the conversation have that phone turned off, you, whatever it is, really try and find time to, to tune in to that person. And I, I talk about this a lot is when I prep for these things, I do these things, you know, the phone is off, the email shut down, communicators off, the doors Absolutely. locked. I send a, ne- a text to the family. Hey, next 45 minutes, I'm not available. And we have gotten to that, that point, I believe, where there is the expectation of immediate results, immediate response, the, you know, the Amazon effects, so to speak, where I'm going to get that instant gratification, get things now. And it has bled over into the workplace and into communication and people are moving so fast, right? We talked about slowing down a little bit. That's causing people to move too fast, creating miscommunications, errors are happening. Things are slipping through the cracks or messages aren't being delivered as effectively as they could be. So 
if you know you have some sort of a challenging discussion or conversation coming up, make sure that you're in a position to be present and you're in the right state of mind for it. Absolutely. And generations are are different too, right? Mm-hmm. So the boomers communicate very different than the uh, the millennials and and the Zoomers, and we kind mm-hmm. of forget about the X's. I'm like, okay, let's not forget about us X's. But, <laughs> but the but the there's been a lot of banter about these generations, right? Mm-hmm. And and I work, uh, you know, with with all of them, and it's really interesting. I see more similarities with the Zoomers and the Boomers uh, in terms of work style and wanting to come to work and engaging in person. And a mm-hmm. little restless in the hybrid workforce, whereas millennials have totally adapted to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I think that awareness is so important when you're communicating. Is not only what might this other person's viewpoint be, but is their style? What's going to impact their style? Being aware of that, how they communicate, how they prefer to be communicated with, and then adapting. That's a big part of it. Is not only being aware of my style being aware of your style. And then hopefully we kind of meet somewhere in the middle. So we can't have that productive dialogue. Yeah. Well, and you know, you just came back from Ireland and I've traveled a lot. And I think one of the things that's amazing about travel is it does put us a little bit out of our comfort zone, Mm -hmm. particularly if there's a language that, that we're not, you know, keen to like, and, and, and being able to out, there's three places I always go to when I travel. One is I like to go to the farmer's market or equivalent to a farmer's market, mm-hmm. um, public square where people are, people are with their families and dogs and, and has some bustle. And then I also like to, you know, go find not a, 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 um, a chain or, you know, but a, a, a mom and pop type of restaurant yeah. where the real people go. Right. And I think from those the, the, those different environments, you kind of get a glimpse. You, uh, you might not get the whole picture, but you get a glimpse mm-hmm. of you know how people live and how they dress and they operate and their social decorums and things. And I think that that it goes a little bit into my reporting days where I kind of check out everything. You know, I kind of look assess things the same way I do when I fly. I got to go through pre pre check a run up and then a flight. And then I have to do, you know, when I, when I land, I have to go back through and, and do a post check of everything. Right. And document. And, and I think that's one of the disciplines for me, particularly has helped me to refine um, and, and, and the communications process and, and the situational awareness that, I, that I've talked about, I think is a keen part of that. It's actually helped me better refine my communication skills Verbal communications is one thing. Written communications is another course that I think is equally as important mm-hmm. that people often uh, don't slow down. I, I'm reading four books right now simultaneously for my podcast. And, and that's a little bit crazy. It reminds me of being back in college. And, and one of the things I realized is I, I could read three effectively. Uh, two is probably better. One would be perfect, right? And so that's just an analogy I keep playing in my head is, is that sometimes we have so many things coming at us that we we can't really, um, you know, die, you know, process the the content and the information and be able to celebrate the parts that are the most important. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a some diminishing returns there. Whether it is reading books, trying to juggle your email, text messages, Slack messages, whatever it is coming in all at once, so figuring out where's that at for you. And I think there's really a lot of parallels to what you talk about with your experience being a pilot and flying to 
on the front end, making sure that you're prepared. And if I think of the parallels between that and say communication or preparing for a meeting or a sales, a sales meeting, are you doing the prep work on the front end, understanding you, your audience, whether it is the machine that you're flying on, all that stuff, doing your safety checks, you've, you've prepped, you're in air, can you be flexible? Something happens, the weather changes, you know, equipment adjusts. I don't know that much about flying, but I'm assuming there has to be a level of flexibility when you're up there and relying not only on instruments, but also guidance that you may get from the towers and then afterwards, like debriefing, checking everything, and then moving forward. Yeah. Agility is one of my favorite words. Um, I always tell people, you know, when it comes to careers and people talk about, you know, work-life balance and I'm like, what? I, I, for me, it's all about agility and flexibility and being able to adjust and, and, and reprioritizing things. And I think in, in conversations, I noticed that my meetings have gotten to uh, go from what used to be in-person meetings, a few hours. Now they're maybe an hour, 45 minutes to an hour max in, mm -hmm. in Zoom, right? I personally prefer to meet in the same conference room. I mean, we're having a great conversation uh, in, in the digital world, but I see you. So that's better than just the mm -hmm. audio, right? And I find that one of my favorite tools, and I was kind of crushed recently when I saw the last phone booth was torn out of New York City station. I think it was oh, Grand yeah. Central Station, and I and I kind of I felt a little crushed, you know, that oh my goodness, the end of the era where well, the era has actually been over for quite a while, mm -hmm. but I'm still very nostalgic when it comes to vinyl records too, and I have quite a collection, but I had to go back out and recollect those because I got rid of a lot of them when CDs came along, mm -hmm. and I felt that is in some ways for us to go back to basics, pick up the phone, have an old fashioned conversation. And you might actually get somebody at the other end of the line, like the old tin cans we used to play with as a kid, you get two juice cans or two yep. cans with a string. And, you know, there's a reason why that was, you know, <laughs> a discovery. It's kind of fun. All these tools that we have are great, but if they're not helping us solve the problem, it is always good to go back to the basics. And I encourage my team a lot that, but if I see lots of emails going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and the situation isn't progressing, I'll use it like, hey, let's pick up the phone, just call somebody, call one of the other people that's that's dealing with this, try and sort out, usually within minutes, the problem is solved just by picking up the phone because in, in text, especially, you miss out on so much intent, tone, yeah. inflection, whatever it may be, you're gonna miss out. So on the phone, you can pick up on more of that, video, you pick up even more, and then in person, ultimately you're getting all of it. So it really does help to be more effective there. And you mentioned agility being your, your favorite word. So if you think through, Donna, your career, what would you say, it may, it may be agility, what would you say is one skill that has really helped you to be successful and get you to where you are today? Uh, you know what? I'm a network. I would tell you that it really comes down to the power of a network and keeping the integrity of that network together. I've, I, I connect with so many people on LinkedIn and I think it's so important to, you know, one of the skills that my father taught me really early on, besides having really great paper for my business card, um, <laughs> is that was the first impression, right? People put their business card in your hand and if it's nice paper that meant, well, you know, this probably mm -hmm. is somebody, you know, I should, I should trust. But I think that 
that integrity is so important of knowing exactly who you are, what you stand for and how you operate and do business and you communicate. And I, one of the reasons I like, I like, you know, connecting with people in LinkedIn and building new relationships is that I think in all the social platforms that we have, they're like, Hey, look at me and my, my, my coffee drink and me in the sunset and having, you know, uh, a good time with my friends and puppies and things is all great outside of work. But when we're in a, in a professional um, career and we want to build a positive perception and we want to build positive communications and network and, you know, is building the power of the network is so important. I wish I actually had my 20 plus prior to LinkedIn years on my, uh, you know, connections on my, on my connected to my profile. I don't because I had a big Rolodex <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and one of my first bosses in, in, when I was a journalist gave me his Rolodex as a, as a gift when he retired here, this is for you kid. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this? I literally, I still have it in storage in a box because I couldn't part with it at business cards from some very prestigious people that, you know, in politics and in business and, and um, United Nations and just all over the world and from my journalist days. And I value that. I value the, mm-hmm. the, the, the power of a contact, the power of a handshake, which is that we don't really do anymore, right? But it could be a, a digital handshake. These conversations, the conversation you and I are having is very mm-hmm. valuable to me because we're, 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 we're communicating and we're sharing wisdom. And I think that's you know one of the the importance of business that I hope doesn't go away is that that the business acumen and understanding exactly you know when it comes to business skills, the listening, mm-hmm. the two way communication, not one way, two way communications, the integrity and and the authenticity of the conversation. And really being able to know the difference between this and all the all the distractions that are out there. So when I edit this, I'm gonna have to find a picture of a Rolodex and splash it up there for some folks that may not know what it is. So well, it's it's like a little box you used to keep on your desk. You put either note cards in it with people's contact information or their business cards, and you can scroll it and sort it by letter alphabetically. It was a great tool before the phone and you know all the the features there. And I will say it's one of my frustration points with my phone is it seems as if the actual phone feature is the least functional, the phone, the voicemail, the contacts, out of all the apps out there, I have the most problems with that one. They, I think put the least amount of effort into it. Um, and they disappear but, sometimes. And yes. like, where, where did this contact go? That was in here before. Well, just to give you a vi- another visual is my Rolodex. It was like grandfather to me down uh, from a highly respected reporter at the Washington post at, it looks like a carousel. It's like this big, like, you know, almost like you flip it around and it's like a carousel. There's thousands of cards. Crazy. Love it. But you, you bring up a great point with the power of a network. For those folks that are out there really starting their career, it's important to build, for me, relationships, not just contacts, not cards to throw on there, people to add connections, but really, are you building relationship? Are you adding value? to that other person and vice versa. And for me, a big part of it is just staying in touch. You know, there's people where just periodically I try to carve time out of my calendar to call up folks that I worked with 10 years ago, just say, hi, hey, what's going on? How are things going? What's going on in your world? Can I help? Whatever. Continue to build that because you never know what it's going to lead to. Because at some point, 
you know, you may need them. They may need you. You can help get them a job. You could help land them a deal, vice versa. Really not just being content with having people out there, but how do you engage with that network to build true relationships? For me, it's a big differentiator. Yeah. And, and keeping it relevant, right? So mm-hmm. you never know where a network contact can actually become valuable. Uh, when oftentimes, you know, people reach out to me early, in early career, as well as, you know, later down in their career, looking for a new career opportunity, looking for an expert for a conference, looking uh, for, um, you know, a, a, just a referral or hiring new talent, right? And mm-hmm. oftentimes I find that, you know, I, I like to be helpful. I like to help people, you know, daisy chain and, and, and network and mentoring is so important. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I love about having interns is that, mentoring interns to get them excited and, and particularly in my field, which is in public relations, it, they're textbook savvy oftentimes when they come to work with me, but they don't have the business acumen or the communications acumen in place. So with ask tough questions uh, in, you know, in a phone conversation or even email, those are things that are just like learning grammar. Like to me, effective communications and the communication skills is something that we should always practice. It's mm-hmm. not just learn once, one size, rinse and repeat, right? It's like, it's an everyday advocation. There are skills that if you don't practice, they are going to fade away. Just like if you exercise, you develop those muscles and you take weeks, months, years off, those muscles are going away. Same thing with communication skills, whether it's your writing skills, your public speaking skills, or just general dialogue, it's going to fade away if you don't practice it. So it is important to continue to find opportunities to refresh those skills, whether it's just by yourself doing a recording, watching it back, trying to find ways to improve, going through trainings, taking opportunities to learn from others, or just work interactions always really be conscious of those skills because they make a huge difference in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Donna, who has been somebody that's influenced your communication style and what was it that maybe you took from them, adapted and really made it your own? You know, I've had a lot of great mentors, but I'm going to, I'm a very public facing person that I think just has a great interview style is David Letterman. And one of the reasons I like about him is that he, he looks very unassuming. Mm-hmm. Like, like, why would you tell him your story? Cause he just, right now he just looks like somebody's grandpa. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he has his, his new show and, and which I, I love because he's very relaxed. His body language is very relaxed. And so that's a communication style, right? So when a person is very relaxed and open, people typically are going to be a little more relaxed and open. So he's somebody I studied uh, quite a bit from the, the way back in the days when he was in primetime TV to his current. And I think that his current work is probably his best work because he's having fun with it. Right. He's mm-hmm. doing he's he's not he's, he's not on the table for having to, you know, to, to, to make certain you know revenue ratings and things like that. He's really purely doing what he wants. And I find when it comes to interviewing. Um, I worked, as I said, with some amazing reporters and journalists, the Washington Post, Reuters and BBC. I learned from all of them. And so there was a whole school of 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 traditional reporting um, professionals that that I've worked with. And from them, collectively, the, the thing that I learned the most and we talked about listening 
but is really having empathy in the conversation as well. And I don't mean empathy in the sense of, of like it's an emotional conversation, but just knowing the the place in which that person is coming from. So as a news reporter, I, I you know, I covered everything from crisis situations, you know, there were, whether it be a plane crash or a bombing or someone's, you know, literally, you know, somebody's crash in in, in Wall Street. Those are pretty intense subjects Mm -hmm. to cover. And so you go in to have a conversation with somebody about, you know, how they were feeling. You can't really ask that question. You have to come from a place of empathy and openness. And that's why I say that I think David Letterman does that really well. And I, if I go all the way back to one of my first uh, teachers, second grade teacher influenced me immensely. I had a lisp. I also had a little bit of a brogue. I took speech therapy for five years. I had, a, I had a Scottish grandmother kind of messed me up with my accent and I wasn't understood. And so I had things that I wanted to say and I wanted to share, but I was, I didn't have the confidence. So I ended mm-hmm. up taking speech therapy and the crazy story is I end up in communications and communications, my entire, you know, later in childhood. And that was probably that pivot when I was about eight, when that happened, when I, I had the confidence that I, mm-hmm. I, and I used it as practice, 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 going out with my father and my uncles to do stories. I could practice speaking. And if mm-hmm. I practice speaking, then I would overcome. So I have no fear, um, obviously, because I wouldn't have got a, an undergraduate and then a master's degree and spent the last 20 plus years <laughs> in, in this field. But I think sometimes getting over that hurdle um, is something, you know, we look for in mentors in our career. Yeah. Practice is definitely a big part of it. Having strong mentors, another big component and absolutely love the answer of David Letterman. I'm a huge Letterman fan. I grew up watching him and really enjoy his, his show. It's Netflix, right? My next guest needs no introduction. And you know, the thing that always strikes me when I watch it is I go into it as a fan of Letterman but I always come out a big fan of the guests that they have on the show that I may not have either know much about, or maybe had preconceived notions about them kind of going into it because of their public persona, but because of his relatability, his relaxed style, the preparation that has obviously gone in on the front end. So that he kind of knows where to go, but still flexible enough to let it maybe shoot off in a number of different directions really is what makes that show so great. And yeah, it makes his communication style so powerful. Yeah. And sometimes I would go, well, I don't know if I get to watch this is on a guest, but maybe I, w- I would particularly watch, but there's mm-hmm. been a couple of episodes where I had, I went in thinking like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to like this. And I ended up like exactly what you said going, wow, this person's actually really cool. And yeah. I didn't think they were so interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a gift. Definitely. Donna, as we wrap up here, what piece of advice would you have for somebody, whether fresh out of school, mid-career, maybe looking to go into the, the communications or the PR space? What advice tip would you have for them around you know, the importance of communication skills and the impact that they can have? Call me. <laughs> um, no, I think it's really important to surround yourself and by a variety of, you know, people early on in your career, the people that can be mentors, people, you know, that, 
mentors in the sense of professionals, uh, college professors, alumni at universities, reaching out very early on into people who have jobs and careers that you might want to consider. You don't have to wait to, you know, to get a degree to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my father exposed me to at a very young age is he would take me to, I grew up in the Silicon Valley, which was then known as the land of heart's delight. And he would take me to Berkeley and Stanford and Lawrence Livermore lab and um, other research centers in Hewlett Packard garage and places that, you know, that by the time I was at a, had a, concentration in the tech sector, I, I was pretty well schooled in all the research centers and everything because my father was interested in those things. Mm-hmm. So my father was a great teacher and exposed me to a lot. And I think we, uh, if we oh, keep our mind open and, and explore, you know, where resources can lie within our, the power, going back to the power of the network is, you know, university professors, alumni, your, your, your class peers, Go to entrepreneurial uh, accelerator uh, uh, meetups and pop-ups that are happening now looking for you know, career fairs where you can explore. And through that whole process, using it as a means to build and practice your communication, because it's going to be so important for you to either take that first step and get an internship or the first job in your early stages of your career. That is fantastic advice. This idea, get exposure right? Whatever it is that you're passionate about, or you think you may want to go into, find opportunities to gain exposure to that, whether it is through, as you mentioned, your school, people in your community, your network, different groups, online, whatever it is, find opportunities to get exposed to that. One, to see really, is this what I think it is? Do I want to go down this road? And then love it. You mentioned, find this as an opportunity to continue to practice your skills. So- Well, I love Donna. you have a you have a sign in the back of your wallet that says work hard and be nice to people. I actually want to change that to work hard and be nicer to people. Because I go. think that is so important that there's just certain I say put the manners out of the back pocket and 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 be genuine. Be genuine who you are, but be genuine, authentically nice to people. And we've seen this in the past couple of years. And I think one of the, the best things that's happened in this, in the last few years that people are kind of checking back in with each other. Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Always good to find the silver linings. So Donna, thank you so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for joining me and hope you have the great rest of your day. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Donna Wafflin. She really nailed it with her point around the importance of situational awareness and relating it back to her pilot experience. Being aware of yourself and your surroundings really is a key to effective communication. As always, if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.